This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. That's the phone number you can call to get on the air with one of the longest-standing actual open phones radio shows in America. So many shows now have so many call screeners. What do you want to talk about? Well, that's not what the host is talking about. Change your subject or call back later. Nah, not not with Free Talk Live. If you have a topic that interests you, let us know what it is and you'll get on the air. Now, we are on actual radio stations, so we do have to follow those pesky FCC laws. That means no cursing, but bring up your topic, talk about it in a clean way. And we will put you on the air. The we in studio is myself, Chris. Jay. And Angie. And Angie and Jay took part in something really interesting uh, some time ago. And I know it was on the Free Keen blog today talking about an auction. We're going to get into this in more detail. Yeah, um, nice. Because I do want to hear about it. And I want to hear how it went down. And one of the things that surprised me was jay you are not a licensed and approved auctioneer nope (laughs) no but all auctioneers have to be members of the american association of auctioneers or some big trade organization you have to go through state licensing got any evidence any of that code or constitution or that the state so so called uh runs by applies to me I think, uh, at least in the federal constitution, there is that auctioneer's clause. No, there isn't. I'm kidding, because the because believe it or not, the founding fathers thought that to go into a lot of e- detail on things that people do every day, we're going to cover that with the Ninth Amendment uh, in the Bill of Rights, just saying this is not an enumeration of rights. The people retain all kinds of rights that aren't even written down anywhere. They're just what people do. We don't need to bother by trying to enumerate them all and say that the government either has power over this or the government doesn't have power. If we didn't name it, it's retained by the people. Get that? If something isn't in the Constitution specifically allowing the federal government to do it or banning people from doing it, uh, it's left with the people. Now, I think treason is the only really named crime. And maybe piracy. I don't even think piracy made it. I think treason. So, Angie, if you're uh, fostering any ideas of becoming treasonous here on this show, uh, well, I encourage it. Um <laughs> But it is just pretty silly. So you have to be uh, most states license auctioneers. Is that correct? Well, I guess sure. I know. <laughs> I know in Vermont, Massachusetts, and in fact, even at the auction, uh, somebody says, "Oh, I, I didn't think you uh, had an auctioneer's license." As I was telling them, "Hey, you ought to come down to the auction. I'm the auctioneer." Oh, I didn't think you had an auctioneer's license. You don't get licenses, don't? Because the guy knew I didn't have a driver's license. Right. And we had a t- conversation, but then he was a guy I'd met up there at Pork Fest or Fork Fest a few days earlier. I'm like, I don't care about no licenses. I don't I don't ask the state for permission. Uh, you know, that's like the sheep herder asking the sheep for permission. We don't need no stinking licenses. That's right. It's uh it's 
amazing that people's assumption, some people's assumption, is that if you're doing, you know, X, Y, or Z, well, you you must be approved for that. You know, you you braid hair for a living. My God, I, I assume that you have a license for braiding hair. This is how insane our country has become, and how insane our people have become. Well, they, they don't bat an eye. No, the Oh, my barber? Yeah, well, he's got his paperwork up there on the wall. Why? When when I was in, uh, what I've noticed about public schooling is it has literally trained and programmed people to 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 ask for this licensing. Like uh, when I was actually in high school, and I think it was a home ec class or an economics class. I can't remember what the class was, but they actually had us bring a phone book in as part of a project. And part and the thing was was like everybody had to pick like something that they were going to do and. My particular thing was of getting a putting a deck on the house. Like I'm an adult. This is like a home economics class, right? And like they, t- you know, it's like where you learn how to like, you know, when you're 13 years old, they teach you how to write a check and things like that, and balance a, you know, checking, you know, check account, mark. sure, stuff like that, and credits and debits. And so the thing that I picked was getting putting a a a, um, a deck on the house. And the very first thing that you're supposed to do is look at the blue pages to see if and call. Uh, a zoning department or a building department. Oh yeah, building permits. Oh like, heck yeah! And it was the blue pages were in the front of phone books, and this was like I don't know ninety four, ninety five or something. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. So it was like just it's just conditioning and programming, you know. And then what was funny is I at the 2012 Republican primary in New in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. My father, my friend uh, Dave Copaz, and I we brought three horses up. And we rode horses up and down Main Street. Uh, and that was uh, a couple, uh, that was the night before a uh, debate and, um, Manchester Elm street is just for like a couple miles either direction. It's all media, all people. It's a Republican debate. New Hampshire is a hotbed for politics. Mm-hmm. And so many people asked me, Oh, did you get a permit? <laughs> oh, do you need a permit to ride the horse? So I'm like, actually the horse has priority on these roads. These roads were four horses long before cars ever came. Right. And uh, people just couldn't wrap their head around it. And I actually made GQ magazine, the online edition, not the actual print. And somebody had sent, actually, I think Ian Freeman had sent it to me uh, in an um, email years ago, like 2012. Right. This article in GQ where this guy uh, and was basically, he comes up to me and he's like, uh, so did you have to get a license? He had like some English, British type accent for that horse. And I'm like... What the hell's wrong with you Jeez. people? Can Everybody you... thinks you need to have ha, asked a sheep for permission. And I says, where are the sheep herders here? And I says, maybe it's different where you come from. And he actually quoted me like word for word. He must have had a recording going in the article. Right. And he called us the three riders of the Ron Paul Eclipse. Nice. Because we were carrying a Ron Paul Evolution sign. But every media asked me about a permit from the city or a license. And I said, did you ask? No. We just did it. We just showed up. This is nuts. Um, did you get and- in trouble at all? No. Awesome. But I had I had a guy, I had a couple of guys uh, walking around with um, uh, buckets and and a snow shovel and a broom sweeping up any horse poop. So you're cleaning up your mess. Oh yeah. And you know. I'm from Oregon, and and in small towns we have a lot of parades, and parades always involve horses, and everybody knows that that is a hazard. Yes. But everybody uh, loves the horses. <laughs> yes, everybody loved them. Would. Even the cops, even the cops are coming up. Pet. Can I pet them? Sure. That's awesome. They, they were super friendly. They one cop was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people like Ron Paul." I see. I go, "Well, especially here in Manchester because of the Free State Project." And you know that cop didn't even know what the Free State Project was, and he, you know he was just happy to pet a horse. 
Yeah. Who's not happy to pet a horse? Eight fifty five, four fifty free. Yeah, it just just this idea. So no auctioneer's license to speak right. of, Jay. And you be obviously must have some training. Actually, I I heard from people that were up there that said you did a great job. He did a great job. And it was, was phenomenal. That was my first question. Was like, does Jay? You know, five to I can't even do it. I can't even fake that I know how to auctioneer. Well, the thing is, is I think most people wouldn't really tell whether or not I was doing a good job because most people never really been to a um, to an auction to an auction to, to a real to what I would call a real auction like a livestock auction right, right right where there's a lot of excitement there's a lot of energy especially horse auctions and that's what I grew up going to but if you go to like an art auction on a cruise I mean you'll just pass out you'll fall asleep oh yeah you know yeah, it's yeah. like you know do we have five dollars how about the five dollars I have five dollars can I get ten dollars <laughs> and you know you know and, and a cattle auction is you know it's loud and exciting yeah. how about a hundred dollars how many hundred now how hundred now hundred now you know a hundred now for the freedom and I, and I I did this little for the freedom roll because it was Ross Ulbrich. Right. So, like, I started wa- – actually, I've just started practicing, like, after Liberty Forum during the winter, actually practicing my au- auction chant while I was driving around listening to YouTube videos or, like, working in a shop listening to YouTube videos okay. of, you know, to building an auction chant. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I've always – I've been – literally my entire life I've been going to auctions with my dad because he was a horse trader. So, it, it was a great experience for me. We're going to talk more about auctions and exactly what was up for auction. This was to raise money for Ross Ulbrich, the um, alleged founder of the Silk Road. And he is doing two life sentences for spreading uh, free market. Uh, 855-450 free. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. That's the phone number to call to get on the air with your topic. But you can also hit us up on Discord. Discord is a very cool app. You just load it on your smartphone, load it on your tablet, load it on your PC. They've got like every platform you could possibly want. Load it on there, use your high-speed internet connection and your quality microphone, and you can sound like you are in the studio with us. But first, I wanted to tell you about HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. Do you operate a retail business and you're looking for a solution for point-of-sale cryptocurrency acceptance, it's never been easier thanks to HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. There's no paperwork or approval process to open an account. If you already have a tablet at your cash register, you're almost done. Just visit HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com and follow the simple steps. Within moments, you will be accepting cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Dash, Bitcoin Cash at your store Get started now at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. That's HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. In studio, it's myself, Chris. Jay. And Angie. And we've been talking uh, We've been talking regulations. Regulations. I think that's the proper way to disparage that word. Sounds perfect. Yep. Regulations and uh, auctioneering, which, as it turns out, in most states, you do... You are required to possess if you are engaged in the business of auctioneering and auctioneer's license. Yeah, I'm not. It's not a business. It's just a hobby for me. 
then you would probably be fine. I mean, technically. Everything I do is a hobby. Absolutely, even what you do for money. Even Well, yeah, because even the <laughs> IRS uh, recognizes that hobbies are tax-exempt. Great. This was, I did a passport process a uh, few months back where I informed the State Department via a passport application that I was not a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen. I don't participate in any IRS stuff because I wanted to get a passport, but I wanted to get one as a, basically a New Hampshire citizen of the nation of New Hampshire, not the state of New Hampshire. And I put that I'm not a resident. And I'm, okay. And this is this guy, Christopher Gronsky from Destinations Freedom. Uh, .ca or .com, I forget what it is. He um, and he's been on Free Talk Live before. And uh, anyways, um, so uh, one of the things that Gronsky talks about when he does this class, the difference between you know a United States citizen and a state citizen, and also who's required to pay income tax, which is United States citizens. Um, Unless and your state happens to have an income tax. Actually, in Massachusetts, has an income tax, and every state that he's pretty much looked into that has an income tax. Whoever is required to pay income tax, federal income tax, is required to pay state income tax in Massachusetts is how the income tax law right. reads. Because the states are all basically franchises of the District of Columbia or the United States after 1864. Goes one, Anyways, yeah. goes one theory. And, uh, well, I mean, there's, there's good evidence of it, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, we found it in Massachusetts. They, they, there was a whole state charter created in 1880-something uh, for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's awfully late. Well, that's when they were all incorporated after the Civil War. Okay. that's The, the, the state of New York was incorporated in 1888, Massachusetts 1889. But the word state actually means District, district of Columbia. So, But anyways, getting back to it, uh, the IRS doesn't tax hobbies, but they do tax businesses. Well, we've been operating a business for a couple of years, and uh, judging by the lack of paycheck, I'd call it a hobby. There you go. <laughs> so uh, that's an interesting, and we don't offer uh, legal or financial advice, but this is worth looking into. There have been a lot of people talking about the 14th Amendment, what it means, what it doesn't mean. And the 14th Amendment really was the amendment that took a stab at trying to define what is a citizen? Because we were dealing with something new in our nation's history at that time. I believe uh, it created freed, freed slaves. I believe it created a second class of citizen, and I don't believe the slaves were freed. They were property uh, that was seized by the federal government. Well, they had a new owner. Correct. And then what could happen is anyone else could voluntarily sign up to be a United States citizen. And could accept, get the benefits of being a United States citizen and the ah, privileges. This is that social contract we must have signed. Well, actually, I like to call it an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> because That's how it feels. Because, uh, you know, if I offered you something, no matter how lucrative or how crazy it was, you have the absolute right to, to refuse the offer. Sure. But if you don't know it's an offer and you are spent, you know... Literally from the day you're born till the day you go get a job or get a driver's license, usually getting a driver's license or some places have work permits. Like if a kid's under 18, they actually got to go to the town hall and get a permit to work and put your social security number and your date of birth and all that, you know, slave information on there. And but basically when you turn 18, you're using this, um, you're, you're, you're brainwashed to think you're a United States citizen. And what actually makes you a United States citizen is the the fact that you say you are. You're not a United States citizen until you sign some document, check off the box, United States citizen, and then sign that document under the 
threats of pain uh, and threats of penalty and perjury. How many times do people in the course of, I, I guess not all people, but at some point, most people do sign something saying, are you, are you a U.S. citizen? So voter registration, driver's license. Yeah. Uh, I have checked that box many times. I and, am too. And, uh, and, and the other thing that you're actually doing, uh, Gronsky gets into this, is you're, not only are you claiming to be a U.S. citizen, now you're impersonating a U.S. citizen and under United States co- code <laughs> title, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when you impersonate a United States citizen, uh, the crime is, it says a crime, and then it also says, references the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which says there shall be no slavery yeah, yeah, yeah. or involuntary service to it except for punishment of a crime. And so let's get back into this yes. auctioneering. Um, so there was at Forkfest, Porkfest, I'm not sure where it was, uh, but I know the story is on freaking.com today talking about this auction for Ross Ulbrich. And, and there's a nice video, too. And there is video up there, and it kind of tells the story. But And, Jay, you were you were the auctioneer. You were yep. run, running the show as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during this, uh, numerous items. My store donated a $50 gift card to be auctioned off. Yep. So, you know, just raise money for, for Ross's legal fees. That's That was the intent. But somebody donated something to be auctioned kind of at the last minute that surprised a few people. What was that? Oh, it was uh, two eighth-ounce uh, containers of cannabis. Some marijuana got auctioned off on private property, I might add. Uh, and this was included in the auction. What a great way to raise some cash. Um, I'm actually, I uh, got a little uh, a reach out today. A friend of mine watched a video, and he goes to all these... Uh, all these uh, cannabis festivals in Maine. Right. And he was like, we should do an auction, man. <laughs> why don't Perfect. we just have a why don't we just have a straight up cannabis auction at one of these festivals? I'm like, I'll do it. Let's Perfect. Go. So uh this this came up and you you put it up there and you did your auctioneer, you did your chant, you did your your what do you call it? A roll? Well, they call it like an, an auctioneer's roll, but yeah, okay. your chant or your roll. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of roll in the words into the next word. Yeah. And that- goal of an auctioneer is to get as much money for something as you can and that's good when things are going to good causes like freeing ross ulbrich a guy who literally went to jail for running a website you may have heard about murder for hire none of that stuff was proven and none of it was even included in the charges which means it probably didn't happen 855 450 free this is free talk live Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Chris, Jay, and Angie. Normally, it's not me. Normally, it's Mark. Mark would be in this chair, and you guys would be rapping with him. But no, Mark's in South Korea. I had to double-check that. It is South Korea, not North Korea. Correct. I guess. 
There's, I don't know. There I should can, like, be go by one. what I read. I know it's Korea. It's Korea. There one of the go. Koreas. I know he uh, posted a picture on Twitter of some Korean frosty drink. I don't know if that was alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Let's hope it was. Let's hope it was. Yeah. It looked tasty. Um, but as someone who has been, uh, I have fallen for things from foreign countries that sure look tasty and uh, they may have been less than tasty, um, but that's neither here nor there. We are talking about an auction that took place at either Porkfest. Por- Porkfest. It yep. was during Porkfest so on private property. Uh, and they were having an auction to raise money for Ross Ulbrich, who was the founder of the Silk Road. And he is, uh, uh, you know, he didn't kill anyone. Uh, I seriously doubt the charges that he ever offered murder for hire. That seems pretty much made up. Uh, what he did was allowed people to place things for sale uh, and had an escrow service so that if you know, it, it kind of protected the buyer and the seller. Now, he sold drugs on there. Why did everybody freak out? My God, you can't buy drugs online. What? Are the, how are the police going to find this? You know, anybody could buy it. It could be shipped right to your house. Well, here's what it did. It had a rating system, too, just like Amazon. You know, if you buy a pair of socks and those socks suck, you're going to rate those socks low, and that company is going to lose business because they've got low ratings and they can't game it. The idea that you could rate an interaction with your drug dealer allowed the best drug dealers that were selling good, pure products to give people actually what they were paying for, got high ratings, and they got increased sales. Now, this is a good thing. The idea that marketplaces, we we in the Liberty community tend to think that you know, we don't need government. We can have markets that regulate themselves. Um, you look at UL listings that are on most electronic devices. That's that's a voluntary program. But if you don't have a UL listing on your on your blender and it's sitting right there next to a bunch of them that do, people are probably going to think twice. I actually melted an extension cord the other day with an angle grinder when I was doing some metal fabrication. Yep, it melted right or plugged into the grinder. Now, the cord on the angle grinder didn't melt at all. It looked fine. It just actually was the thing quit working. It's all smoking. Right. So this is some extension cord. I don't know. I just had I got a pile of extension cords. That's, uh, that's me, too. And the kid that was with me was like, I wonder if that one's UL listed. He looked all over that extension cord and couldn't find a couldn't UL. Find- what is UL listing? Uh, Underwriters Laboratory. So they, uh, for a fee, will test your product, whatever it happens to be, whether it's an extension cord or a blender or... Uh, usually electric devices, electronic devices. And if they find that it's safe and well-built, they'll put their seal of approval on it. Okay, that makes sense. It does. And it also makes sense that if you are buying drugs, you can buy them one of two ways. Let's say you bought off the Silk Road and it's got really high ratings. That tells you a lot of people looked at it, uh, tried it, and found it was what what it says it was. And then you get a story of some kid who bought a, you know, uh, 10 bucks worth of heroin from some street dealer and OD'd because it wasn't what he thought it was. Because it was 1% heroin, 99% rat poison. Or it was uh, 50% 
um, heroin and 50% fentanyl. And it was um, completely different in strength. And these are... These are things that really, really happen. I'm not, um, you know, uh, and a lot of people will will come out and say, well, that kid shouldn't have been doing heroin. I, I agree with you. I don't, I, I never taught my kid to do heroin. Um, but people do heroin um, and people are addicted to opiates. You know, people like uh, Rush Limbaugh, who was famously addicted to opiates. Um, fortunately, he had the money to be able to shop all the pill mills and he didn't have to go to the black market to get what he needed. Um, but a lot of people we found out after, uh, everything came out with, you know, when the opioid problem first bloomed, we found out, actually I should say people that suddenly found themselves addicted, found out that if your prescription runs out and you can't get it anywhere else legally, there is an alternative, and that alternative is heroin, um, and a lot of them turn to that. And and now you know we have a, a much bigger problem um, that in an un- unregulated market. Um, it's not that it's unregulated. Unregulated. It's highly regulated. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is highly regulated. It's not you that- die for uh, you know um, engaging in uh, heroin trafficking activity, just like Ron Paul said. More people have died from the war on drugs than the actual drugs. And that's absolutely true. It was the same thing when alcohol was illegal. The alcohol prohibition, you know, created war zones, you know, in ghettos and cities all over the United States. And all those deaths over trafficking alcohol stopped when alcohol became legalized. Yeah, it pretty much birthed the power of the mafia. The mafia really didn't have much to do until we tried to make alcohol illegal and that gave them something highly profitable to do, and they could do it everywhere. Do you know who single-handedly made alcohol illegal and why? Well, I know a lot of people had hands in it, but go ahead. The number one uh, anti-alcohol guy was a guy who had a patent on petroleum. His name was Rockefeller. And if you, uh, there's a book called uh, Alcohol Can Be a Gas that was, I think, uh, the first edition was in the late 80s. And he he talks about the whole history of alcohol pro, of alcohol and alcohol prohibition. Well, Henry Ford made the Model T Ford to run on alcohol, so farmers could steal their own alcohol. Uh, and if you actually steal alcohol from corn, what you have left over that corn mash is a much much higher quality cattle and like livestock feed than actual corn in its raw form because you with alcohol you extract all the starch out of it. So alcohol can be a gas. I think uh, David Bloom's the guy's name who wrote it. And he talks about how uh, Rockefeller lobbied the Tempers with $4 million to make alcohol uh, illegal so he could have literally the market. And U.S. Standard Oil became this massive uh, you know, corporation that ended up getting busted up until like today is like Amoco, Exxon, Mobile, okay, okay, and I forget okay. what else. There was undoubtedly money came in that wanted to do out, but the the history of prohibition against alcohol goes back since before the Civil War. Oh, sure. There were groups that were strongly opposed to this. Housewives. Housewives who were uh, tired of um, their husband going out and getting drunk and coming home smelling like Lilacs. I wonder what men used for, uh, well, uh, well, well, women's perfumes back then. 
um, but that or, you know, getting smacked around by their husband, too. Um, but prohibition was it was huge. Now, what you're talking about may have been the money that funded them. And let's think about what we had to do. Like right now, we just write a law and say uh, marijuana is illegal at the federal level. Uh, there, I said it. So it's done. Um Back then, and I'm only talking about the 19, uh, 1920s, 1930s, 1910s, I guess I'd have to look at that. We literally had to amend the Constitution to give the federal government the power to say alcohol is illegal. Literally, three-quarters of the states had to ratify this statement. And now, look at all the things that are pro- prohibited just because they say it is we had to we had to change the constitution to make alcohol illegal and we had to change it again to make it not illegal because we realized how stupid an idea that was 855 450 free this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's our phone number. That's free as in freedom, free as in no, there is no such thing as a free lunch. 855-450-3733. This is Chris. Jay. And Angie. And we are here to talk with you. But first, I want to tell you about local.bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, finally... I repeat, finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. That I can even use. Exactly. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin Cash. That's local.bitcoin.com. And we are going to go to the phones where we've got Bill in Indianapolis. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? Good. Hello? Hello? Yes. Can you hear us? Am I live on the air? You are live on the air. Awesome. 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 You know, actually, uh, I was just calling in because I'm a first-time caller. Uh, It seems like you guys have a well platform going on because I'm just seeing the studio, and I was just like, oh, dang, I kind of like it. (laughs) No, no, no. Just kind of get on this serious note. You guys were talking about some political views about, like, North Korea earlier, if I heard that correctly. Is that uh, right? No, uh, we've said, we've got a co-host who's in uh, South Korea. I was jokingly asking oh, if he was going to North Korea, but if you want to talk yeah, about I North Korea, you can talk about anything on Free Talk Live. Well, I, well, actually, it's going to be similar to what you were talking about because I thought you guys were talking about like a political crisis at first. Like I must have misheard. I I have a bad tendency to do that. <laughs> Quite all right, but. Uh, all right. Anyway, so I just want to talk about uh, the Antifa group and other organizations that uh, set up riots and whatnot. Okay. So 
Okay, so what goes through their mind day-to-day basis? And, like, why? what are they fighting for exactly? Because I tried looking them up, and for some reason, it's like I don't know what they're truly all about. Like, what what do they stand for is what I'm trying to ask. I yeah. talked to a couple of Antifa guys at the Trump rally, actually. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> to to at a very high level, from what I all I can glean from them is they are against Trump. They see Trump as an example of fascism in uh, in the world, and uh, Antifa mm-hmm. is sort of a- anti-fascism. So, what'd you find out, Jay? So they were like in this little oh, okay. um, caged-in area at the Trump rally in Manchester last Thursday, and I went down there to to talk about pardoning Free Ross. So we want to get Trump attention. About 25 of us went down there for that. Anyways, the uh, and the, the couple of guys that right. were like Antifa guys, they were talking about how um, socialism was actually what they were talking about and how billionaires are the enemy. And I'm like, no, 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 guys. A Federal Reserve is the enemy. you got to understand that these billionaires wouldn't exist without the policies of the Federal Reserve. So then a conversation – and what I noticed is there was a, another guy where a big fat guy had a green Democrat shirt on. And there was like a handful of these – it was like Democrat Party and these green shirts. And they were walking around the free speech zone. And this one guy kept on like interrupting the conversation trying to either get me out of there or keep it uh, you know, rolling. So their, their thing was billionaires were bad, capitalism is bad, and we need socialism. And socialism is where the government controls the means of production. That's what the guy told me. That's what we need. I go, oh – so you want Trump, who you hate, to control the means of production? You want Congress to control the means of production? Does Congress listen to you? Congress listens to big corporations and lobbyists. That's what's going on. I go, I, I go I'm a non-anarchist. Yeah. I want to see their, that government have, can have no power or control over anything whatsoever. Hey, hey Bill, where do you uh, stand? I mean, we get a lot of callers um, on here. There. Okay, so to be, to be on the honest side for me, I'm actually in a neutral zone where it comes between like what's good and what's bad for this country. And like, I can understand because like federal can be the enemy and billionaires aren't because it's like, it's like, let's put for instance, Jeff Bezos. We all know who Jeff Bezos is, the CEO of Amazon, correct? Right. Do we view him? Do we we view him as the people, as the enemy? I view him as the guy who made it possible for me to get all my stuff i order on wednesday every week exactly and that's you not, rely you you rely on him I, he helps me i i save money in my small business by buying my stuff through amazon versus buying at unfortunately at local businesses um and i run right. a local business so i i look for advantages so yeah i bezos has right, helped right. me out because it's like it's Exactly. And you see, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, who's your co-host? Is I'm sorry, Jay, it was? Yep. Okay, yep. Jay. Okay. Well, you know, you, you make a valid point. You really do. I, I, I like where you're coming from, how like the billionaires are not the enemy, the federal is. So for me to understand this, it's like, why do we target the billionaires like they are the enemy? Like, why do we do that? Well... The the uh, ideas of socialism uh, really are about breaking people up into different classes and controlled opposition. Pit, yeah, mm-hmm. pitting one class against each other. You might have a billion dollars, dude. I I hope you do, and uh, that doesn't make you and I enemy. Uh, exactly. You you may be broke, um, and that doesn't make us enemies. Uh, my hope is that you can leave your life uh, the way you want to lead your life, as long as you're not 
messing with anybody else's rights. When you start to infringe on people's rights, that's a problem for me. I don't think that should happen. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's like, it's like we all want to win the lottery one day and we all want that millions upon millions of dollars. We all do. And I can guarantee it. And it's just what, what, what should we be asking for ourselves? It's like, what do we do with that millions of dollars? Like we just became rich all of a sudden. It's like, you want to, you, you start want to either become nice or start becoming greedy, but yet, you know, it's just, it's just how we balance out things. And for Congress to do so, working with corporations, I, from my understanding, it's like they are the ones making more and more money than the average American people. Is that correct? Well, they, they, Sorry, make, not, they uh, it's okay. They make the money. Um, big corporations do make lots and lots of money. Some of them produce something of value, and if they can't make it in the free market, there's always a politician to buy to make some law that makes it a requirement or eliminates their competition. That's that's crony capitalism, and that is not a free market. Uh, and I okay, may I ask that. what crony capitalism is? May I ask what that is? I, I see it as when uh, people get wealthy enough and use their power to pay politicians to pass laws that are in their favor. And another element of this, oh. another element of this is you got to understand. Here's what the Federal Reserve really uh, is unfair to all of all of us regular folks: is the Federal Reserve creates money essentially out of thin air and gives it away at different interest rates. And the first people in line for this money are the major corporations, whether it be General Motors, Archer, Midland, Daniels, uh, Google, uh, a company called Black Rock. They are the largest property management firm in the world, and they are buying up all of the major urban areas all over the world and, and increasing the rent. But in in Europe, they're getting money at a negative interest rate to do this with. Sure. Here in the U.S., they're, get, they're getting it for two point, for 25 basis points that's all they're getting it for, a quarter percent interest. They're getting millions and mil- billions of dollars to go just buy up city blocks and jack up the rent. Hey, Bill, thanks wow. for the call. Um, yeah, and the, the whole <laughs> negative interest rates, they are not going to uh, actually do that. They will charge. No, they will pay people to take a loan with them. They won't pay people. They will pay major, massive corporations to do, to do that. And then yeah. uh, guys like us, and I don't have any credit cards, but people have credit cards. I mean, this like some places credit cards are 23%. Sure. Some places limited to 18, but still, that's crazy. Most, and it's not going to be for consumers, but for governor, uh, for governments and for large corporations, yes, uh, interest rates are going negative. And what that means is, it's, it's, that means the money you hold in your bank account is going to be taken from every month right. when negative interest rates start happening. But they, but and this is where Bitcoin is going to save us. And that's why we talk about cryptocurrencies, because it still makes sense. The financial system doesn't really make any sense. But let's get back to this auction for just a no, second. Yes. <laughs> The auction was freeross.com or .org, actually, freeross.org, hashtag freeross. Check it out. The purpose of the auction was to raise money to get Trump's attention to pardon him or somebody's attention that can get Trump's Trump's attention. I'm calling on everybody to check out that website and consider making a donation. It's a good cause. This guy is in for two life terms. Ridiculous. This is Free Talk. 
everyone. This is Courtney Shrem, and I want to invite you to join my husband and I, Charlie Shrem, on his new show, Untold Stories, for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution, the innovation, the collaboration, the battles, and the busts. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today, and you'll hear it from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join Charlie and his guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as they explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-453-FREE. That's our toll-free number. Thank you for joining us in our number two of our show. We, we do three hours of live radio every evening. 365 days a year. Now, there's a couple exceptions. Sometimes we're away at conferences and stuff like that. But 90, 99% of the time, if you tune in, you're going to get live talk radio with a focus on liberty. That's a focus you don't see often. You see Democrats talking about how bad Republicans are, and you have Republicans talking about how bad Democrats are. And I usually agree with Republicans on how bad Democrats are, and I usually agree with the Democrats on how bad Republicans are. Exactly. Um, we're um, we're pretty much a libertarian talk show. You're going to get some ideas that you may not have heard before. In studio, it's myself, Chris. It's Jay. And Angie. And we're going to kick things off in hour number two with... Actually, I think some good news out of these are words I never thought I'd say. Uh, we're going to kick the hour number two off with some good news out of California. I just never imagined I would ever say that. Uh, no, occasionally there have been good things that happen in California, not enough to counter all the bad things that have happened to the people of California. But this comes to us from the Daily Beast, California now has one of the strictest use-of-force laws in the U.S. Now, what's a use-of-force law? Those are laws that put limitations on police or put regulations around them using force against regular people. California has had some really— You mean that doesn't exist already? Never. What's that? Force from police. So that doesn't exist already? It's, you know, laws that police, you know, can't be using excessive force on people and stuff like that? They do. They list them. They're, they're all sorts of laws, but there's also all sorts of exceptions. Oh, like I, fe- I fear for my life. Exactly. So I shot the pug. California Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday signed into law what will arguably become the nation's strictest standard for police use of lethal force. The new law, known as... Stefan Clark's law after the unarmed black man who was killed by police in the state capital, Sacramento, last year, will usher in significant changes 
for police procedures when it takes effect on January 1st, 2020. In the new year, California police will no longer be allowed to shoot a fleeing suspect unless they pose an immediate danger. Now, let's think about that. They were put, there, there were not regulations that stopped California police from shooting fleeing suspects before this law goes into effect. Now, police always have to have, they have to justify the shooting. They have to say, uh, like you said, Jay, I feared for my life. Another standard was uh, he was escaping. He was getting away. He may continue to do harm. This is specific to cases where the um, where the suspect is fleeing. Um, California police will no longer be allowed to shoot at fleeing suspects unless they pose an immediate danger. A long overdue update that dates all the way back to 1872. New language in the law also stipulates that law enforcement can only use deadly force when, quote, necessary, unquote, as opposed to the current wording of when it is reasonable, unquote. Hmm, I wonder how the law defines necessary as it applies to this particular statute. And how are they going to determine if they pose an immediate danger? What, someone running and they have their back to you? Maybe I, they're, you're scared of them because it's dark. I think it's going to be very difficult for them not to be. And if there are uh, standards and laws in place, this is going to open up police to lawsuits. Now, we got to look at California. This is where a whole lot of people, going back to Rodney King, when people have been disgusted by the police saying, well, I feared for my life, therefore I had to shoot that man running away from me in the back. Under this, it seems like that would no longer be easy. I didn't, I, I, it was a reasonable, and it was reasonable for me to shoot him because he was running. No, now it has to be necessary. Pesky cameras on everyone's phones, getting these cops busted. Absolutely. Another critical, uh, another crucial alteration will show its effects in the courtroom. Under the new law, prosecutors will now be able to take into account the actions of the officers and victim leading up to the fatal incident, replacing current rules that only allow prosecutors to consider the seconds surrounding the use of legal for lethal force. So I find that kind of interesting, too, that under California law, when dealing with this um, incident in an incidence of shooting, they can only discuss like a few seconds before. And that doesn't tell the whole story. So is this police union money being diverted to the pension programs for the cops now? So the cops stop quitting their jobs? Because I could imagine the police union w would be hardcore anti this law or they helped no write it one or the other i suspect they are anti um that this is going to cause more going to cause more lawsuits against law enforcement and more lawsuits against cities and states uh, excuse me this cities in the state of california 
Um, and there's a tremendous amount already. The thing is, is you don't hear about them because everybody has to sign a non-disclosure statement to get that money. Right. If they want money, they're told the only way to get it is to settle. And that's why these things get buried often. Um, broadening the timeline could also could allow prosecutors to view such cases with greater context. Supporters believe the expansion will also encourage departments to further emphasize de-escalation practices. Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, Democrat, who authored the bill, called it, quote, an aggressive effort to retrain our officers and change the culture of police. I, for one, uh, am all for anything that attempts to change the culture of police. It has become a standing army in this country. If you go back 30, 40, 50 years, police were more of the Mayberry type, and now they looked like they walked off, uh, walked off a troop carrier in Fallujah. If there's anything serious that happens now, it involves armored troops who are armed with military grade weapons. I'm not saying uh, they are, they're driving SWAT vehicles. They have flashbang grenades. They have all this gear. And if you have the gear, you want to use the gear. And uh, I'm, it's the militarization of police forces has just ramped up the violence, not against police, but ramped up the violence against citizens. Um, I noticed at the Trump rally that there was these guys all had um, military gear. They were all body armor. They had uh, basically tactical SWAT type stuff. They had what uh, uh, appeared to be like AR-15s. I'm not exactly sure what the rifles were. Didn't ask them. And there was also on top of the Radisson Doubletree in Manchester, there was two snipers at least. Oh, at least. Just hanging out up there. And there was a couple of spotters. Uh, at one time I saw four guys up there. And you know, just everywhere around Manchester, there was cops just ready for straight-up combat. So I don't doubt that Secret Service, they were there in heavily, yep. heavy force. Uh, Secret Service are, are actually a little bit harder to detect because they don't usually run around looking like they're armed to the teeth. I detected one, and I asked him about it, and he got all pissed off. Exactly. <laughs> the, the ones that are all armed to the teeth are New Hampshire's own police forces, right. Manchester Police um, right here in Bucolic, New Hampshire. Why are our policemen looking like troops? 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855-453. That is our toll-free number. That's the number you call to get on the air and bring up whatever you like. That's the beauty of a actual uh, a talk show that didn't try to make you talk about what we want you to talk about. We want you to talk about what you want to talk about. 855-450-3733 or hit us up on Discord. Discord is a cool app. Just load it on your tablet, on your phone, on your PC, your laptop. Check out where to go at discord.lrn.fm. Use your high-speed internet connection and your quality microphone, and you will sound 
like you are right here in the studio with us. But first, I wanted to tell you about Freedoms Phoenix. Freedoms Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation website. Do you want the newest and freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty? FreedomsPhoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Check it out. Go to freedomsphoenix.com. That's freedom, freedoms with an S, phoenix.com, freedomsphoenix.com. At the top of freedomsphoenix.com. Right now, it says Matrix 4, officially a go with Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Lana Wachowski. I didn't know there was going to be a a Matrix 4. That's awesome. Uh, Ian and I were talking about that just before the show. Yeah, yeah, because I pulled up to the studio playing uh, Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine. It was one of the songs in the original Matrix. I'm kind of jazzed about it. Um, I love the first Matrix movie. I, to me, it was revolutionary. There were things that were ideas that were presented um, that had a liberty spin on them um, that we had never been presented with in a super popular film. And a lot of um, a lot of the techniques used in the film were kind of groundbreaking at the time. And then, then Phoenix, uh, let me see, you know, Matrix Revolutions and Matrix Reloaded came out after that. And I found both of the sequels kind of confusing. <laughs> the, the guy that taught me blacksmithing, one of the guys that taught me blacksmithing, actually made a lot of uh, swords for Keanu Reeves' stuntman, whose name is Brent Stitlowski. They they're from Munson, Massachusetts, a town just south of me. Gotcha. Uh, where, right, I grew up in Palmer. So, uh, but this guy would like get suspended from school because he would, when he was in high school, he would crawl down a gutter four flights, um, like literally like shimmy down the gutter on the outside of the building at the end of school and leave school. And uh, that was always like a big thing in town. This guy was just like, you know, I think he actually got expelled from high school over just like crazy stuff like that. For being an amateur stuntman. Yeah. Um, But the Matrix woke a lot of people up when I was in high school. It did. That came out. It did. A um, lot of my friends were like, wow, you know, the stuff you've been talking about. Didn't, I didn't even see the movie, and I kind of knew the line because my buddies were all telling me about it. They went and saw this movie. Yeah. And, you know. You're just a pawn. You're being controlled right. by the people who are really in control. You go about your daily job. You don't know what's really going on beneath. Do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Do you want to stay right where you are, just happy? Or do you want to see how far down the rabbit hole goes um those those were a lot of uh i thought innovative ideas to throw out in a movie it was uh one of those things that i'd read about i'd read a lot of uh libertarian novels and and stories and things like that but it was the first time a lot of those things actually made it onto the big screen which i thought was kind of interesting and kind of innovative um and so I, I still see Keanu Reeves in a lot of stuff. I mean, John Wick, that was a like blockbuster. Jackie, or excuse me, Angie's shaking her head. You don't remember, you didn't watch John Wick? No. I don't think I watched it either, actually. Yeah, those are probably the most violent possible movies you could ever watch. Um, I but- did watch The Matrix, but I did not watch any of the sequels. Yeah, that was, I think, a good time to quit. 
Yeah, I was happy <laughs> with the first the one. Just watch the first one. Yeah, yeah. The second ones were just trying to explain every possible question you could have ever had about the Matrix, and I think they just uh, succeeded in making it more complex. Um, the Wachowskis, the Wachowskis, as they are now known, um, it used to be the Wachowski brothers. Um, and first one and then the other transitioned. Uh, they're both uh, trans ladies now, um, and they are just known as the Wachowskis. They're going to be uh, at the helm for this new, um, I guess you call it a reboot, sequel. I, I don't know how they're, how they're going to play it. Uh, they've got a lot of the original, I think the original director uh, is coming back for it. Um, both Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, um, who were the stars of the first one. The only one I haven't heard about was um, Lawrence Fishburne. He played uh, Morpheus. Okay. And uh, But he had some good lines, some good Liberty lines, at least oh, yeah. in, in the uh, second one. In er- er- Ernie Hancock likes to use a lot of Morpheus uh, exactly. stuff. Exactly. It's just exactly music. what I was saying. Freedom's Phoenix, that's Freedom's with an S, phoenix.com uh his bumper music includes a short little uh short little speech from morpheus and i think that was in uh, matrix reloaded uh, that's where where he did that but um yeah know. i hear it just about every morning because I, I have uh you're listening declare declare your independence with ernie hancock is on lrn.fm feed from nine to noontime every day and then it's on after this show this morning show is on after this show uh during the week uh, if you listen on LRN.FM. Yeah, it's uh, and Ernie's a great guy. Oh, um, yeah. I, I got a chance to talk to him for the first time at ForkFest. Uh, I've listened to him for five, six years. Uh, he used to be, I told him, he used my morning drive. Uh, yep. Every day on the way into work, I had a phone through my employer that had unlimited internet. So, heck yeah, every morning was uh, declare your independence and... Uh, just have a lot of respect for him as a broadcaster, and he's got he he knows he knows where we should be going. Oh yeah, and uh, sixty two miles above the grid. <laughs> that's his Pirates Without Borders stuff. Eight fifty five four fifty free. Um, we've got open phones. I'd love to hear from you. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. So, what do you think? You think this new Matrix movie is gonna it's gonna blow up? Is it gonna fizzle? I think it will blow up personally, but just because of Keanu Reeves and the hype behind it, um, I think that it'll do well at the box office. I probably won't go see it. Probably won't see it when it comes out. But I mean, I'm sure I'll hear about it. Yeah. I wonder how much CIA money is going to be injected into this because there's a lot of Ernie talks about this with this, there's some movie I can't remember. I just try and think what it is. And it was basically about like one of these military incidents in the Middle East somewhere. It was a movie that was produced a few years ago, and a CIA stepped in and says, "Hey, you're not going to um, put like." And then uh, you know, and they offered him funding. They basically just offered him funding somehow. I can't imagine and, how the CIA would benefit I, from a CIA front company. You know, basically rescripted part of this movie. I can't remember the movie, but he was talking about it this this past week. What do you think? Is the Matrix gonna blow up? Is it gonna be all that? I don't know, um, but I'd love to talk about whatever you're interested in. 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. Business owners, you want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. 
I know, you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale, totally free. Use the same equipment you already have, now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, that's free as in freedom, free as in Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. I got a story here, because the police have to get involved to keep us safe. That's always what we need the police to do, to keep us safe. We need laws to keep us safe. And have you ever heard of hard seltzer? Oh, yeah. What's the big brand out there? Uh, Claws. Have you ever seen Claws hard seltzer? I have not, but I've heard of hard seltzer. Right. It's the biggest, latest thing in alcoholic beverages. I guess that's the biggest trend going right now. Sound really boring. I like really good beers and that's it. I like good wines too. I'm not much of a hard liquor drinker. I'm more of a liquor drinker. Gotcha. Used to be coconut rum, but now it's tequila, Patron. The problem is all the American beer and wine is so loaded with glyphosate because of the Roundup they spray on all the Don't wheat. Don't tell me this. And all and all the uh, quiet wineries and everything. It's no. crazy. Yeah. Don't ruin my good beers. I saw a headline, something about the arsenic in a lot of wine that they were recalling some. Possible. I, I'm not familiar with that story, but police have decided that they have to remind everyone that hard seltzer drinkers, they have to remind them that, quote, laws still do apply. I want to walk around with seltzer can, uh, drinking seltzer in public, just so they can come harass me about it. They'll uh, be like, is that alcoholic? I'm like, oh, can you smell the vodka? It would be an open (laughs) container though, right? Yeah. That's the whole thing. I mean, seltzer's a big thing here in where the show is being broadcast from Keene, New Hampshire. I'm going to say in in New England, seltzer's a bigger thing here than almost anywhere. Like, I, I go to the grocery store, and there's a, a section at least as big as Coke or Pepsi that's selling... Polar. Polar, uh, polar seltzer. I mean, Kansas, it's everywhere. I never really got into it. It tastes like sparkly stuff that doesn't have quite enough flavor well they're right because i'm used to worcester massachusetts is that right that's where where, they're from well it says it on a can and when i was uh living in manchester i would drive through worcester two or three times a week to go out you know i was working for a guy in western mass and you drive right by to several acres of a big polar seltzer uh polar soda campus you see hundreds of semi-trailers and all the carbonated, you know, silo tower things. And and correct me if I'm wrong, they have 37 billion different flavors. Oh, I don't know. Polar does. Every but, time I get it, just blows my mind. But the raspberry comes from the uh, anal gland of a beaver, I believe. Good to know. That sounds yummy. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are looking for something that came out of the anal gland of a beaver, uh, <laughs> Let's polar do raspberry, raspberry uh, <laughs> seltzer water. Is all, probably better than the alternative. All raspberry flavor that is, quote, natural flavors is from this 
like beaver anal gland. Nat- natural oh flavors can be like I know. one of like any couple thousand ingredients. <laughs> they are, and they are pretty disgusting. So, and when they when you see it on the label, oh, natural flavors. It must be yummy. It must be yummy. But I mean, then you find out how they arrive at that flavor, and it's uh, not always what you think it is. Um, but the police are going nuts because somebody posted something on social media. Oh my God! It might seem obvious. But a Wisconsin police department felt the need to remind citizens that laws still apply when you're drinking, even if it's White Claw hard seltzer. I'm glad um, you policemen in Wisconsin uh, felt that it was better to spend your time on this particular campaign than doing something like um i don't know rape kits rape, any... rape kits that's a good There's one always you a should few be, thousand of maybe them maybe you could process uh your backlog or rape kits you could close out some uh missing children uh, so i'm sure there's a few missing children's cases in wisconsin well, based on the whole uh jeffrey jeffrey epstein stuff and all this thing going on with the pedophile elite there's probably uh an incentive to not really look too hardly at missing children uh, you know, but cops aren't really there to, you know, actual to serve and protect the people. They serve and protect the state. And nor do they have any obligation to protect you. That has been determined by the U.S. Supreme Court numerous times. They have no obligation to keep people safe. In response to a popular social media term, the Kenosha Police Department in Wisconsin took to Facebook to remind citizens about the truth. While some people like to say, quote, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, unquote, the Kenosha Police Department disagrees. The police department took to Facebook to share a message with their followers, quote, recently we have heard the saying going around, quote, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, unquote. We are here to remind you that even when you're drinking white claws, Laws still do apply. Remember to drink responsibly and never drink and drive. I agree unquote. with. I disagree with laws still apply. First off, I don't think there's any laws that say anything about this. Hard uh, cider. Yeah, I, I. It might be a statute, a code, or a regulation, which are not laws. Now, states, you know, most states, all yeah, states have just some age of consent. Uh, age of oh, alcohol consumption, sure. which is some statutory thing, right? Doesn't apply to me. That's fine, but for a lot of people, they do see that. Oh, the drinking age is twenty-one. The drinking age is whatever it happens to be, and that's the law they follow yeah, because you, they know what's going to happen if they don't follow that particular law. Do they really follow that law? Well, when I was eighteen, I can uh, say no. Uh, when I was 17, I can say no. When I was 16, I can say, hell no. I never followed any uh, underage drinking laws. They did not have the desired effect. What they did was they made alcohol seem cool. Desirable. Desire is something I can do that only grownups can do. Yep. I can do that. So what did we do every weekend? Found a way to get alcohol. Uh, oh, and e- that's still what do. goes down uh, today. Now, countries like Germany, for example, that have much less, much lower uh, regulations when it comes to underage drinking. You know, it, 
You know, if you're old enough to see over the bar, you can have a beer. And I don't know what Germany is right now, but it's always been more permissive. When it's more permissive, kids find out at a younger age that there's not that much that you're really missing. My little sister was that uh, just just turned 16, and she had went to Germany for uh, a semester of school for an exchange deal. Right. And this, she's out in Colorado, and she, when she came home, like, hey, did you, did you drink any, any alcohol? She's like, well, she goes, I got like an eight-ounce glass of wine with dinner every night. And when we went out to eat, I asked him if I could order a beer. And they're like, sure. And they brought her a big mug of beer. She says, I couldn't even finish it all. And, uh, and the, oh, the other thing, too, is uh, there's no glyphosate in German beer. That stuff's not allowed in Germany, that Roundup. So according to whatever random website I just pulled up, uh, minors 16 years of age and older may drink undistilled alcoholic beverages such as wine and beer without accompaniment. And uh, once they hit 18, then you can drink liquors, distilled spirits uh, in Germany. So where is this rampant teenage use of alcohol in Germany? It isn't rampant. My my little sister said it just wasn't a big thing because it wasn't a big thing. It and, wasn't a big deal. And there was parties every weekend where you know just like where I grew up in Western Mass, there was parties in the woods, keggers in the woods, and somebody always got kegs and somebody sold cups for five dollars a piece, and you know, and yeah, there was big parties everywhere, all the time. That's uh, yeah, and but the thing is, I'm sure kids probably got tired of that. It's like, oh, do I really want to go to another party? I'll go to this big one because there's supposed to be a band there. But I imagine it's probably not as big a deal as it was in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you get when you prohibit things. You're picking and choosing the vices and trying to influence people. People are going to do what they want. 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's free as in Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. That's our toll-free number. That's the number you can call to get on the air. What are you going to talk about? I don't know. You talk about what you want to talk about. Don't worry about what we're talking about. We're talking about the police in Wisconsin just reminding everybody that if you're drinking claws, there are still laws. So don't forget that we have laws in Wisconsin. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws has been uh, seen on social media, but the Kenosha police department felt that they just had to weigh in. They had to bring this up and remind people that there are still laws. Have you ever uh, been so drunk that you forgot that there are this these this thing called the state, that there are policemen out there that are going to actively look for you, that are likely going to violate your protected rights, according to the Constitution? Do you ever forget that they are out there? I have forgotten that they are out there. 
have you? Tell me about this. Yeah, well, because you're having a good time, the last thing you think about is some police officer. That's a bus gonna, kill. Yeah. yeah I don't do that. That's a good point. I'm, I'm not ju- afraid of them. I generally make it, I've always made it the point at like large gatherings and parties, probably with the exception of Pork Fest and Liberty Forum. Okay. Um, not to drink. Yeah. Uh, because I want to be the guy that deals with the cops. Right. Uh, because I feel like I can d- send them away uh, the most efficient way possible. And if the spokesman, per se, or the guy who volunteers to go deal with the cops doesn't smell like he's been drinking, um, that helps. It throws them off completely. And uh, and then especially, you know, when I'm, you know, when I first thing I tell them is, you know, we re- each require $50,000 an hour to carry out orders from the police. And we will be filing claims with uh, risk management division of whatever city you're in or state or whatever. So does this chase them off? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had them leave several times. I've told them that they need a need a warrant. Um, that I that I will be investigating and making sure they have complied with the law and that they have signed sworn oaths of office. But if you're drunk, if you've been drinking, even I've if you're not driving, no, no, no. If you've been <laughs> driving, and not you, but anybody, if you've been drinking and a cop comes up to you and he wants to know who you are, you you've got to you got to show him your license, right? Well, not if you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> that opens up a whole new can of worms. And more to the point, uh, I was being facetious there. Most of the time, most states have laws that do require you to provide proof of identification when you're driving. Some states have uh, requirements for proof of identification when you're walking down the street. Some states do. Some states, and New Hampshire isn't the only state like this, that do not require you to show who you are if you're not operating a motor vehicle. And you should look into the state laws of your state and find out when exactly do I have to show cops identification? When exactly do I have to identify myself to police? And you're going to find out that the answer may not be what you always thought it was. First of all, I, I advise people, know know what the law is. You're going to break it. That's fine. I think you should have know. evidence whether the law applies. Simply well, write the state attorney general's office a letter. Actually, write them a public records request. If in, in New Hampshire, it's called a 93 action. Massachusetts, is the 460 action. But a public records request asking them for the evidence that they rely on, that the New Hampshire Code and Constitution apply. Absolutely. You and can do that, them too. to certify uh, if it does not exist, this document does not exist, and what happens is they they ignore you. I don't I don't doubt that they they will they will ignore you. They, they absolutely they ignore will it. every time. Uh, for the average listener on the show, they may not want to go into all that. At least Google what your laws are, and then do a little bit more legwork, like Jay recommends. Why not? Why not ask them to show you where this law is? Uh, and if they can't provide it. That tells you something, doesn't it? MarkStevens.net. He does a Saturday show that is on LRN every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 7. And Mark Stevens, if you just Google Mark Stevens and uh, plea of guilty, the guy's really good at this kind of stuff. Uh, Where's the evidence that the code and constitution apply to me? Anybody who can, like, you know, get to his website, I, I feel is competent enough to take you know, an hour and just study this information and walk in any courtroom and do this. Practice it first with your friends. Where's the evidence? Just ask questions. Don't make any statements. Just where's the evidence? I need to have the evidence. If you have the evidence that the 
that the code and constitution apply to me, then I'm willing to plead guilty and save everybody time. So other than that, what are some other things you can do if you're confronted by the police? Shut up. You can shut up. (laughs) You have the right to remain silent. That's part of the Miranda uh, decision. And you don't have to talk to them. You certainly don't have to say anything that incriminates you. If a cop asks you, well, you, you, how much you had to drink? Just like one or two? Don't answer that. Don't answer anything. If you don't answer anything, that's the best advice. The police are not your friends. They're not there to make sure your night ends uh, great. And the more they try to be your buddy... I'm here to help you out. I'm going to help you through this. I've had cops tell me this stuff before. Oh, sure. The more they're trying to be your buddy, the the harder you're getting screwed. Is basically <laughs> your your the radar line. should be going up and up and up. When they tell you this, this is meant to disarm you. Another thing that the Supreme Court has found that it is perfectly legal and acceptable, so says the Supreme Court, for police to lie to you. Yeah. They absolutely can lie to you. The police know this, and they can, in in the pursuit of finding out the truth, their truth, about a crime or a crime that may have been committed, can lie to make you say things that you might not have otherwise said to them. So the best advice is know your rights. Don't tell them anything beyond what you're legally required to, and if it's if it's a big deal uh let it go to court don't don't just immediately take the plea deal if you can afford not to take the plea deal now the problem is is that they offer these plea deals uh after you've been charged with 19 different counts of whatever it is they will stack the charges against you they will make the plea deal so attractive if i just plead guilty to this one little misdemeanor I can worry about all these 50 other misdemeanors they charge me with. If I only plead guilty to this one felony, they won't charge me with the other 50 felonies they've charged me with. I got two points of clarification. First, in Massachusetts, the Massachusetts State Police Academy actually trains police officers in lying to suspects to get them to flip on other suspects or to get them to even confess on crimes they'll separate two guys and be like they will. your buddy told me that this uh contraband is yours and then they tell the other guy hey your buddy told me the same exact thing the second point is as you were talking about uh what's uh oh, the last thing you were uh bringing up there chris um uh, uh, plea, deals? Plea, deals. plea deals when you and i was just talking with someone on facebook about this today when you uh do a plea deal you take the plea deal and what happens is you become a revenue target. Oh, yeah. When they know that you will take a plea deal, even if it's just a continuance without a finding, and the fee is waived, yeah. you become a target. <laughs> when you stand against these guys, when you fight them tooth and nail, when you appear in court, like what's happening here in New Hampshire is there's a cop in Grafton, New Hampshire, who is reported saying, I will not write tickets or pull people over with Montana plates because I know I'm going to court because there's so many free staters running Montana plates right. in, in New Hampshire. And they just don't want the aggravation because it's not low-hanging fruit. Once they realize you're an easy, easy harvest for revenue, 
you are now a target. And when they run your plate and they see that you've been found guilty, that you've been found responsible, that there was a plea deal, your stuff shows up. It probably gives you a credit rating on, okay, pull this guy over because he's easy to extract from. But everybody knows that a plea deal has literally became a target for life. It, it sounds counterintuitive, but don't think that the government doesn't see you as a... It's like the schoolyard bully. Yeah, number one, a way to make money. But if you give them some inclination, you're willing to pay a little extra, they're going to take advantage of that. And lots of states and lots of areas have, you know, where does... And the other question is, where does the revenue go? Some goes to the state itself. Some stays right in your community. They really like to talk about how that is. We're going to get back into this conversation, but I want to hear what's on your mind. What is interesting you this evening? 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a crypto wealth advisor or coach? If so, has your cryptocurrency advisor been investing in technology stocks for over 20 years? Have they left the corporate world and retired? Or are they still trying to make a weekly paycheck? Have they produced six-figure results for their customers in the past 30 days? And very importantly, are they a member of the Digital Currency Council? Seth Maniscalco is the founder of Crypto Wealth Coach and CryptoWealthCoach.com. Seth invested in his first Roth IRA at 19 years old while living abroad and has been investing in Wall Street and technology for over 20 years years with experience in all the money markets. By comparison, so many of these so-called crypto gurus have barely been alive for 20 years. Seth has not only experienced personal success from his own investments in crypto, he has also helped his clients earn six and seven figure incomes, including helping investors make over three quarters of a million dollars in EOS in 90 days and 1,225% in only five and a half months with Chainlink. Seth has help for the small do-it-yourself guy on up to crypto whales. Increase your wealth. Visit CryptoWealthCoach.com. This is Free Talk Live, our number three, one, two, three. We're in our third hour. This Wednesday nights, when I do it with you guys, it just goes too fast. I don't normally do Wednesday nights. I normally do Thursday nights, but every once in a while, I get a chance to pop in and hang out with you guys. I We're glad you're like, here. I like to do that. Not that I, I, I know you guys miss Mark. Mark's a great host. Heck, he's been around since there was a free talk live, but Mark is in he's in transit, right? Yeah, oh, oh, yes, he's traveling right now. Traveling right now. Mark, uh, the regular host on Wednesday nights, is in South Korea. He's been in South Korea. Evidently, like said, like Jay said, he is uh, on his way back. So probably next Wednesday, you'll get treated to mark again but in the meantime you got myself chris and jay and angie and we're here to talk about what you like to talk about and that can be anything at all this is an open phones show you can bring up the topic and you can set the set the course of this ship and let us know what is interesting to you but first we are going to go to the phones where we've got larry from indianapolis larry you're on free talk live what's on your mind how are you doing now i'm good i kind of feel like you are a a good sample of millenniums right well i don't know larry i might be a little old to be a millennial 
Okay, but you know what I mean when I say the I young uh, white uh, children, right? Well, now, I don't know I if I don't know how old you are, Jay. Uh, I just I'm turned 40. 63. Okay, well, I'm close to you. I'm closer to you oh. than I am to these guys. So, but go okay. ahead with your question. Here's what I'm saying. And I don't know whether it's pervasive or not, but here in Indianapolis, every corner has a brew pub, a whiskey distillery, or some other kind of greasy spoon on every corner now. And the thing about it is, the city is subsidizing these brew pubs and distilleries by buying their equipment, setting up their place to do business, and giving them business loans, right? They're trying now, to attract those towards it, sorts of businesses. Is yeah. this through an urban it, development thing? Yeah, it's through urban development. They're, okay, but that's they're paying for the actual stuff. equipment that does the deal. Now, alcoholism is a dangerous disease. Do we agree on that? I can certainly agree with you on yep. that. Because my brother died from alcoholism. And I know in the black community about 20, 30 years ago, we were fighting to get the scourge of a liquor store out of every corner in our community. Right. Now it looks like it's admissible. And not only is that admissible, but heroin use is admissible. They, I, over in the park, across from the library, they were giving out clean syringes, yep. tourniquets, and swabs to people as if the state has sanctioned heroin. Now, well, the military this has. Is awful, but you know, this is awful weird because when the crack was going on, they were forcing it on black communities. They forced the alcohol on black communities. So it looks like some kind of a turnabout as fair play is coming where they are willingly exposing their children to this poison <laughs> every day. They want them to drink every night. They say if you OD on heroin, we'll come out and spend $6,500 to rescue you so you can call us back in the same night. I mean, it's as if some kind of judgment has taken place or payback for what they've done to the colored people. So, so just I, take a look at what's going on. I, Anytime the state sponsors alcoholism and heroin addiction and, and they don't even uh, make a second thought about it, in fact, they, they call it uh, economic development. Well, I don't think that's I, I don't a case really with heroin. What's going on. The, the reason we have an opioid epidemic, and it's an epidemic, mm -hmm. Larry, you see people in the street, you know what's going on. You know that the black communities and white communities have always had a heroin addict. They've always mm -hmm. been heroin addicts. The difference is now we have thousands and thousands of kids who would have never become addicts if it weren't for the war on drugs, the war on drugs caused prescriptions first to be written for anybody because, you know, big pharma said that, hey, if you've got any kind of pain, uh, you know, Vicodin, that's the safest way to treat it. And guess mm -hmm. what? That addicted half the population, it seems like. And then they said, well, we're writing too many prescriptions. You know, doctors, you can't write any more prescriptions for Vicodin which then left these people who you already addicted uh, with no place to get pain relief. So they found an alternative black tar heroin. So I mean, but these are but problems the created because they created the problem in the first place. And they're trying to figure mm -hmm. out a way to profit off of it. Not they, to mention they are profiting. Of course they are. What I would argue is that we would be better off with no laws about heroin 
let people do heroin if they want to do heroin. And guess what, Larry? I'm 55 years old. I never woke up one day and go, you know, it's Wednesday. Wouldn't this be a great day to go try heroin? I've never tried heroin. Have you tried heroin? No, I have not, but it's legal now because if you get caught with heroin in your system or in your pocket when you OD, it's a Class D felony or I, used to be. I didn't now ask you that. Now they shoot you up with Narcam and let you go. I don't. I have no problem with trying to save somebody's life. Well, that's a suicide victim. Do you? Would you ever have tried uh, heroin? And like you said, I well, where you're, yeah. you're advocating. You're advocating it. Um, you know it's legal you're telling me it's pretty much legal it is legal so it's at gunpoint so would you uh would you try heroin now no i have no desire to but why not the, the, you, Larry, because i know I, I see i see the homeless people that are sleeping under bridges that are addicted to heroin every day exactly. and i got better sense exactly but the thing about it is they are sanctioning alcohol too that's the gateway to heroin is alcoholism, and they've got these fancy breweries, and they laugh and joke about it, the wine bars back-to-back. I mean, that's alcoholism. It all happened before where alcohol and drugs takes all the money. Well, we've, been, tries to, we've been talking about booze a lot tonight, and I, I've drank. I had, uh, during my military time, I was in for four years, um, It's they say that alcohol takes uh, 24 hours to leave your body. You heard that before? I can tell you for at least three years, alcohol never left my body. There you go. Right. But see, some people can take it, some can't. Exactly. But I have have that choice. That's the thing. When you're illiterate, you can't make it. And you got somebody saying, come to our event this week. We're going to have a beer garden and a wine garden. And you can get a cocktail if you want it. That's dangerous. I'm with you on a couple things. I don't think uh, mm-hmm. the 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 city of Indianapolis should be involved in uh, trying to work in the free market. That just they makes no sense. Day. Yeah, and that's wrong. That's taking your money, and you don't approve mm-hmm. of that. Why are they spending all this development you see is being paid for with your money? It is. So thank you, Larry. That's what we should be yeah. angry with. We should be angry with politicians they're getting involved in things they have nothing to do with. I, they shouldn't have anything to do with. I'd like to uh, add a little bit to this heroin epidemic. Uh, a little information here. You guys know who uh, Silver Dave is. He's on the uh, show on Tuesdays sometimes. And he's been a good friend of mine for a lot of years. And he was, uh, you know, Special Forces in Afghanistan. Yep. And there was a report that came out on about uh, two years ago that... Uh, Basically, opium or production has increased something like 17,000% since the United States took o- occupation of Afghanistan. And Dave will tell you that uh, they were told not to interrupt with the local economy and not to disrupt the um, heroin production and heroin flow. And basically, the military is literally subsidizing heroin being imported into the United States. Therefore, it is cheaper than about any other street drug out there right now. It's cheaper than cannabis in yeah. many places. It's insane, and uh, this this opens up a couple other areas that are definitely worth exploring. Uh, if you have an, uh, a newborn baby, uh, better yet, if you have an 18-year-old son, he has never lived in the United States when we were not at war with Afghanistan. 
there's something wrong with the cycle of endless warfare and endless welfare. 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-453. That is our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. That is the number to call to get on the air and talk about what's on your mind. In studio, it's myself, Chris. Jay. And Angie. And I wanted to talk to you about My Magic Mud. What is My Magic Mud, you may ask? My Magic Mud is black tooth powder. That doesn't mean you put it on your black teeth. It means that it is, this stuff is black. It's made from charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay. This stuff is clinically proven to whiten your teeth. It is the craziest thing you've ever seen, but it does work. It's available in most health health food stores, Sprout CVS, Natural Grocers, and Walmart in the natural beauty aisle. You can get 20% off with coupon code FTL20 at MyMagicMud.com. That's 20% off with coupon code FTL20 at MyMagicMud.com. This stuff is amazing. Everybody who tries it comes back and is like, I can't believe I never tried this stuff before. Uh, Give it a shot, guys. You'll love it. Uh, We have been talking about, uh, our last caller wanted to talk about uh, addiction and talking about, you know, what's happening in Indianapolis with uh, evidently the city providing startup funds for lots of bars and and he's, you know, saying they've got a huge opioid crisis going on down there. As far as opioids go, you need to look at the models that have been tried in Europe because what we have here doesn't work. Uh, you can look at complete legalization of heroin in Switzerland, which is amazing. They have driven new usage almost down to nothing Nobody just wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I think I'll try heroin today. They might smoke a little weed. They might drink some uh, Swiss beers, and there are good Swiss beers. Um, But nobody really jumps right onto the heroin bandwagon. Unfortunately, in this country, a lot of people got led onto it by pharmaceutical opioids, and that's kind of where it starts. Uh, We're going to go to, well... Washington State, where we've got Mike on the line. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? How are you doing? Can I weigh in on your last caller? He was very inspiring, that gentleman, Larry, that called. Um, I grew up in the same town that Kurt Cobain grew up in, and we have a terrible, terrible problem with heroin and addiction. Mm -hmm. But we have a worse problem with the county. And I'll tell you what the county did recently. Um, they re, they extended with grant money, of course, the needle exchange program. Right. And what I noticed was they have enough. They come on our talk show every morning, and they they don't realize when they tell people mistruths. There's not only an archive, but some people pay attention to everything they hear, and they lie a lot. Well, what they did, they extended the needle exchange program, and they bought a used motorhome from an unknown source, which I'm going to get to the bottom of it because I, I know what they did. Everybody's benefiting from this grant money, 
And the guy that's got an addiction is getting a clean needle so he can keep getting messed up every day of his life and eventually wind up committing suicide or just, oh, you know, it's, it's, overdose. It, they should be ashamed of themselves. Yes, they need clean needles, but somebody bought a used motor home at the county that's unmarked, which means somebody that somebody knew, chances are, just got rid of their old motor home <laughs> right. and or made money, money off this grant money. And I think it's a shame. That is a shame. Um, as far as heroin goes. Can I say, can I mention the county? Is that allowed? Oh, I don't care. Grays Harbor County, Aberdeen, Hoquiam, all those areas down there. It's, and then the cities are like buying property. They took property from a guy that had a homeless problem. who was disabled. He had a hundred people living. He couldn't do anything about it. Right. They forced him out. They bought the property. Um, then they put everybody in a mitigation center behind city hall, 40 pence. And now they've sold the property. All of a sudden they've got, they've got a buyer for this property on the water. The mayor had been to China to the port of China, you know, a 25 year old mayor down there. Right. And then now they're got the property like within a week, you know, it's all of a sudden got a buyer. They keep coming on the radio and disclosing their own lies. Now, now they're buying another piece of property so they can put a hundred tent. They're all profit. It's a business. Yeah, they're running it like a and the business. homeless guy still in the and the homeless guy still going to be cold. They're not giving a blanket. They're not doing anything for them. Right. They're making money for themselves, and I, I, it's just terrible. And that's that's pretty much. Thank you so much. This is a great show. I'm kind of new here, but I really appreciate you guys. Hey, no problem. Thank so you. what what would you do okay. to address the homeless issue? That's a big deal in in Seattle and and on the West Coast. Many major cities, even here in Manchester. Yep. Am I am I? I'm not still here. No, you yeah. are still here. I'm just Correct. asking you. Do you oh, have any ideas do, how to do? Um, go ahead. Well, what I have noticed is I live in a very rural community in the mountains. It's beautiful, but I go to Everett, Washington a lot. And my friend took me the other day to show me some very nice homes. They had Santa cans and very nice, high-quality tents in their backyard. And they had found people that really wanted to step up in life. And the city has allowed them to take – I mean, we need to take care of our own people. And the county's take, doing nothing to take care of people. Does that take government to I, do that? Like I, I got no, you can't. Acres. No, the government will never do it. The, the the government will never do it. That's the whole thing. We have to do. Right. We have to do it. I, and I, and the realtors, I, yes, the realtors. So your local realtors association is lobbying to to make sure you can't put a tent in your backyard in a sandy can exactly. and let somebody stay there, or that you know your uncle can't camp out in a camper for you know, or you can't have a exactly. campground that's, that's year round. Yeah, exactly. It's and nuts. that's and that's just, it's shameful. Anyway, that's that's all. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a hey, good night. Thanks you for the too. call. Um, he brings up a lot of good points, and and it's, it's it's one issue. You know, you can start out talking by heroin, but then it becomes about needle exchange, and then it does become about homeless because these these problems go in a row. I will say that again. I I got to feel inspired by what the Portuguese and the Swiss are doing. Swiss is the most direct on heroin. They just said, if you're an addict, you can you can count on us to help you. They do provide needles. They provide a place to shoot. And they provide, they distribute, the Swiss government distributes heroin. Guess what? That's pure heroin. So when you go in because you're a heroin addict and you need a shot, it's a known quantity. It's not this might have fentanyl in it or this might be cut with something else. You know exactly what you're getting. They've come to the conclusion that people who are addicted to opiates that are on heroin need to be maintained. It has to be some form of maintenance. If you try to switch them all cold turkey, then you're instantly involved in a 
30 day, 90 day, 120 day, 180 days at least of rehab. Which is total misery for these folks. Right. If you can get them onto some sort of medically assisted maintenance program while you try to treat the addiction, you're going to eliminate all the crime that will come when that guy runs out of heroin. That's when he breaks into your house. That's when he steals your car stereo. Um, when he doesn't have the means to get what he needs. And and I think a lot of us who have never done heroin or never read about it don't understand that concept of need. It's something they have to have. If they don't get it, they get violently ill. But they made a choice to begin with Did to try they? it. But, I mean, you, you make a choice in everything in life. And they made a choice whenever the first time they tried it. It was their choice. I might disagree with you a little bit. I think I might, too. We're going to talk about that. Does every addict, did it all start with a choice? Um, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. You're not a wild animal, and you shouldn't be tagged and tracked like one. Where you go and what you do every minute of the day, tracked and recorded by your mobile phone, is often more revealing than your browser history. And tech companies make a fortune selling your location history without your consent. Godard bags prevent location tracking and protect your privacy by instantly blocking all cell phone, GPS, and Wi-Fi signals to your mobile device. Plus, they're durable, water-resistant, and built for a lifetime of protection. Visit godardbags.com forward slash FTL. That's godardbags.com forward slash FTL. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's free as in freedom, free as in Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's our toll-free number. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind, and let's talk. That's the idea behind Free Talk Live. It's radio you control, and there aren't a lot of stations you can call and set the topic but this happens to be one of them this is one that you can set the topic and lately it's been opiates and angie you have taken the position that we shouldn't try to save people's lives if they're addicts they became addicts because of a choice this and i'm paraphrasing um that that's but at some point in this this journey that they're on they did they made that choice they decided at some point that I'm going to go to heroin. If they had like um, drugs from a doctor or they couldn't get pills anymore, so, they decided to to choose to take heroin. I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't help them try to get clean, but I'm saying that if they are overdosing and they do it multiple times, why are we continuing to save them? And I, their, yeah. their children, their fathers, their mothers, you know, I get it. Their sisters, their brothers and their family and you love them, but what can you do for a person who won't help themselves? The issue, and this is based on what I've read, I mean, and I don't have a great understanding of what opioid withdrawal is like, but the book that I read, and I highly recommend it, it's called Dope Sick. I don't have the ad uh, name of the author. Dope Sick was the book, and she did a good job of going... She wanted to write about this topic, and she went back to West Virginia and Virginia And in the current opioid crisis, that's kind of where ground zero was, Appalachia. It it started down there, and it also started, uh, oddly enough, in Maine. Maine was like uh, the second ground zero of opioids because there were a lot of people that do a lot of dangerous jobs in Maine. 
people do dangerous jobs get injured, and that was the issue. They found a lot of people early on um, that were being prescribed opioids, and unfortunately, your prescription runs out. And if you've been told, if your doctor's been told that, you know, Vicodin's completely safe, don't worry about taking it, prescribe it to children, that's what they were doing. If if your son, if his knee's hurting him because he got a hurt, hurt in a high school football game, give that kid Vicodin uh, and don't worry about refills because it's not going to be addictive to him. That kid suddenly finds himself addicted. If he stops taking opioids, he will get physically ill. And I don't mean throwing up just once. He is going to feel like death until he gets it again because he has already hit that point. The problem I think I see with uh, addicts is they are at that point where every time they try to stop, they are going to get dope sick. And how long does dope sick last? Uh, Days until they get it, or you're going to try to cold turkey yourself off of opioids, and that's pretty hard to go through. It could last the rest of your life almost, actually. I'd love to, after after you guys talk about this a little bit, my aunt is a doctor doctor of psychology. She explained to me pretty much what happens with the uh, dopamine and dopamine receptors in the brain due to opiate use, and afterwards I'd like to... We're going to get back into this, but first we want to go to someone in West Virginia who wishes to remain anonymous. No name in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, about the the whole uh, it's a choice. Actually, I'm a coal miner, and I was injured in the mines. I hurt my back, had uh, some top fall in on me. Um, the doctor prescribed me Oxycontin 40s for about... I'm going to say about five and a half months. And then all of a sudden, didn't prescribe me anything. I was all better. But no, actually, I was not. I was worse than I was when I walked in his office because I'm addicted to it. And at that time, it was legal for these pharmaceutical companies to pay these doctors to push their product. And I'm not talking here's $5, here's $10. I'm talking here's a cruise, here's a trip to Hawaii, here's a new car, here's whatever you need to push our product. It's 100% safe. And they were pushing it, that it wasn't just here's what's available. Think about prescribing it. It's they the more they prescribed, the more the the more perks they got. I don't know how you and, call and, that anything other than being a drug dealer at a higher level. It it, it is. It it's legalized drug dealing and the the withdrawal symptoms they last for uh, up to a month. I've been through the methadone clinics, I've been through the suboxone clinics. It's all a bunch of hogwash. I mean, it, it it's legalized you're you're a legalized buzz is all it is because you can go to work and function because you don't have to go out and hunt for pills. And, and I've never turned to heroin. Thank God. I was always afraid of needles, and I just I never did that. So when you stopped um, using but, the Oxycontin, you just quit. They stopped prescribing it, and you quit cold turkey. No, I, I went through series of, of a month at a time of being sick, uh, of and, and pardon my vulgarity, but uh, of using the bathroom on myself, vomiting on myself, feeling like I've got the flu times 10. I mean, there's you can't get comfortable. Your legs jerk, your legs ache. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful that, that there's an actual radio station that will actually talk about this because usually it's swept under the rug and people don't care about it. 
I mean, yes, I'll be an addict till the day I die. Regardless of whether I'm using or not, I'm still an addict. That mindset is programmed into you. Your body chemistry changes. And that's what people don't understand. You, you think it's a choice. It's not. It was a choice for me to take those pills, and it was. To, because but you were hurting time, for other I, reasons. Exactly. <laughs> I thought, hey, you know, this is okay. You know, I'm, I'm laid up. I'm, I'm in a cast from my waist down. I'm, you know, the doctor says it's okay. Now, but did you continue that, to take those pills once you were out of the cast? Yeah, I took them up until the day he cut me off, and then I went and found them on the street. Right. I mean, because it was either that or lay there and be sick and lose my job. Yeah. I had to function in society. And are so, you on and, a and, um, are you on a medical maintenance program now for like something you you brought up Suboxone and Methadone? Or did either I, I did, of those I tried help all you? Those, the the Suboxone did to an extent. Okay. The Methadone was just legalized high. That's all it was, and right. and they can say what they want to, but when I tried to leave that methadone clinic, they were like, "Well, no, we we don't need to wean you off. You need to stay here for a couple. Here, let's try one milligram going down." And at the time, I was on 120 milligrams of that stuff. It took me forever to get out of there. I got a so suggestion for you. The, oh, I got a suggestion yeah. for you. Uh, Ibogaine dot com. I. Uh, Oh, I'm, I'm not on nothing now. No, but I, I'm clean and sober. It took my wife but if threatening you, to leave me and take my kids. Ibogaine, the Ibogaine Clinic is out of, in Mexico. I got a friend who actually works for it. His sister was uh, hooked on heroin. And what Ibogaine does is it resets your dopamine in your brain, basically resets your dopamine receptors back to literally the day you were born. It actually clears up a lot of other different things, but it's been uh, uh, tremendous uh, for... Um, uh, helping people kick opiate addiction. Now, it does cost several thousand dollars to uh, go do one of these clinics, and ibogaine is an element that's like mined from uh, yeah. soil in South America. Now, what's interesting right. is I've, I've read about in books about heroin addiction, ibogaine gets brought up, but um, why is it in Mexico? Because it's illegal to prescribe and use in Can the United States. I B O G A I N E. The reason why it's illegal in the United States is because the lobbyists are your pharmaceutical reps that pay the senators to tell them, no, don't let people get clean. Don't let them get sober because that's one less dollar that we can make. Exactly. And that's all it boils down to. And junkies don't pay attention to politicians. Addicted people don't pay no, attention no. to politicians. Loved ones of addicted people happy. don't pay attention to politicians. Or, or you're doing what? You're thinking about how I'm going to get high and happy the next time. Exactly. I would have I would have robbed and killed anybody when I was sick and it didn't matter who it was and, and normally I work nine to five and, and I'm Yeah. Yeah, I, and, and I I've been clean now for three and a half years. It it'll be three years, seven months on uh, the ninth of September. Congrats so and happy. thanks for the thanks call. For the call. Um, thanks. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've had an interesting evening. We've talked about everything from, from cities providing bars, <laughs> from um, 
it's it's just been all over the board. We've recently been talking about addiction and particularly opioid addiction, which kind of has lit the phones up. If you're interested in being on the air and you want to talk about this stuff, uh, try giving us a call, 855-450-FREE. And we've got a number of um, calls on this topic now. Uh, we kind of started off with the point, you know, it's the question is, do people choose to become addicts or or is it something out of their control? That's really the, the root question that, that Angie asked. And do heroin addicts choose to become heroin addicts? Do pill addicts choose to become pill addicts? Or is it something that someone else has helped with, like you've heard? Like a doctor. Uh, doctors do certainly uh, play their role in all this stuff, too. Um, we're going to go to the phones again, again to West Virginia, uh, where we have uh, an anonymous, he says, psychiatrist on the line. Uh, anonymous, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Um, I was actually just listening to your uh, caller beforehand on my drive home, and uh, he does make a valid point. There have been a lot of problems here in West Virginia and other areas because the way initially a lot of these drugs were marketed were, hey, these are great alternatives for long-term pain. Unfortunately, one of the things we have learned is that, yes, these medications can be useful appropriately in short-term for pain, or for other issues, even anxiolytics. However, the problem is these medications do become very, very addicting. And none of these people want to start off as saying, hey, you know, I want to be a drug addict. But the problem is you get that flip over where people who benefit from these medications, and then they do become hooked. And then you move to that point where it's, I don't, it's not that, oh, I need these medicines to feel good, it flips over to the point where I want these medicines to not feel sick, to not feel bad, to not go through right. withdrawal. Right. That's and then it the becomes an escalating point. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, now, um, I have seen a lot of people who they will go and get sober. And yeah, after you get through withdrawal, because usually those first 72, 96 hours, those are the worst, absolutely the worst. But then after that, it's not so much the physiologic dependence. It does become the neurologic, that, as you said, the brain chemistry. Whenever you're looking at that mesolimbic pathway, that's when it becomes more of the truly the neurologic as opposed to the physiologic. Yeah. Hey, uh, Anonymous, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We're going to stay in West Virginia where we have uh, Jane calling in from Charleston, wants to talk about addiction. Jane, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, am I on? You are on. All right. Well, this is to address a question that you asked about how can family members help someone who does not want to change. Okay. And um, it's called, it's a book called Beyond Addiction, and it's how to help people with science and kindness okay and so uh the family members actually are some of the best people that can help people who who seemingly don't want to change make a change and that's got to be really hard to have do you have a personal experience with addiction or see it in your community 
uh, I was, I'm a, I've worked with it as a therapist, and I, I teach the, the craft class. Gotcha. Which is community reinforcement and family training. Jane, do you know who that book is um, written by? Uh, just one second. Um, what <laughs> it teaches while I'm it. looking for that yeah. is um, it teaches the person, the family member, about motivation, what motivates, how to, how to motivate, and what does not work in motivation. teaches the family member how to do self-care. Uh, let's see. It's Jeffrey. Jeffrey Moore. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have no doubt. And, you know, I used to live in Maryland and I lived in Pennsylvania. I used to live about five miles from the West Virginia border and I was gone um, before I left. But they talk about the epidemic uh, spreading up and down I-81. And, you know, they used to refer to Hagerstown, Maryland as Honeytown while they were bringing through the heroin for the Northeast, they could always count on stopping stopping in uh, Hagerstown and selling a whole bunch at a high profit because we did have a lot of industry and a lot of serious injuries from, you know, guys that were working in warehouses or in, in automotive plants. Oh, and roofers, framers, uh, contractors, coal miners, coal yeah. miners yes. commercial fishermen. And yeah. um, I, I guess that some an addiction and you can't just put a i can't put a label on it and say this is what causes it but i can say that this most recent epidemic i i thoroughly put on the medical community and on the drug companies i just do i i I can't sit here and listen to person after person tell me they've been prescribed uh vicodin or or some other opioid longer than was necessary have you checked out the New Yorker article on the Sackler family? No, I haven't. They made $12 million. Oh, yes, I know who you're talking billion about. Or $12 billion and gave our country an $81 billion price tag in legal fees, wages lost, and medical costs and addiction. And this is Purdue Pharmaceutical, correct? Yes. That family, yeah. Um, yeah. And they have been sued successfully by a number of states uh, for damages because of the misleading. And that's the thing. It's misleading marketing, uh, telling doctors that it's absolutely safe. You can prescribe this to a person for, uh, you know, three, four months with no concern about them becoming addicted. That's criminal. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. is. Especially when they do it to young kids. Uh, I know a kid, he's like a third cousin to me, and at 14, he was put on Suboxone because he was a, got basically addicted to Vicodin over a soccer injury when he was like nine. And he was like violently sick, going crazy when they Jane, took him off the, the Vicodin. Um, yeah, and there's there's so many stories like this, and there are also stories... And what this lady argues is that, okay, it became addicts with because it started with people on pain meds, but then it became the party drug of choice. Now, there are losers out there, natural-born losers, these people who are just drug addicts and mess-ups. There's no one-size-fits-all for any of this drug addiction stuff. I get that, but you can look at a point in time when it escalated, when it became used by the users who were being overprescribed, and then suddenly... 
uh, Vicodin becomes something that was being passed around at parties. And then you get users that had no pain issues suddenly finding them. Damn, I really would like to have another one of those pills. I've, I haven't had one in a couple of days. I'm feeling like I should have one. And then those people are getting addicted from casual use. It's just, uh, it's crazy and insane. And my heart goes out to people that have to deal with it. Well, anyways, I mean, this is just what happens when you, a government's in control. When government controls pharmaceutical industries, when government regulates markets, when the military subsidizes the harvesting or the cultivation, the harvesting, and the transportation. So yeah. was there a big military base where all that heroin was coming from on I-81 that was getting distributed all over the country, you think? No. I'm not sure. Uh, it was coming from, uh, let me think. I would have No, it would have been uh, pre-Afghanistan. Um, but, you know, it was, you know... An, it was the same drug gangs. Back then, we had the drug gangs. And if you want to know why drug gangs are powerful, it's because of government. You want to make this stuff illegal and uh, crack down on it. That just makes them more powerful. Their prices will go up. They create It's more profit for them. If you legalize all the prohibited substances or just totally you know, regulate them like they are tomatoes, like Daryl Perry used to say in his presidential Absolutely. campaign, it will put the gangs out of business. They will be done. And uh, you've got to take, and I agree with this aspect of what you're saying, you've got to take personal responsibility. If you're being over-prescribed medications, and if you know it, you should, every time you go to your doctor, you should be wary because our medical community has shown its irresponsibility in addressing the opioid crisis. That's all we got for tonight, folks. I appreciate you listening. And tune in again tomorrow for more fun taxation is theft. there are basically two types of advertising direct response and branding radio is great for direct response with its low cost to listener ratio but audio can't be beat for branding which is a longer term endeavor you want to be the first thing that someone thinks of when they think about your product or service if you have a local business that you want kept top of mind in your community call the station if you need national reach, Free Talk Live's got around 200 radio stations, millions of monthly listening sessions, can suit all budgets, and if we don't think we're right for you, we'll tell you. Email me, mark at freetalklive.com.